Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, May 12th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. I'm here on my own today, but we do actually have an interview coming up at the end of this episode. It is from our own James Marino, who speaks with the Outer Critics Circle president, David Gordon, who is also the editor over at Theater Mania. As we're going to talk about here in just a moment, the OCC Awards made an unusual decision this year because of the coronavirus pandemic shortening the 2019-2020 season. James will talk to David all about that and more at the end of the episode, so make sure you listen for that. We have a number of other things planned for you this week. Of course, you can always get them first over at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. We appreciate so much the support, not only of people at Patreon, but also just listening and commenting to us on things on social media. We really appreciate all the support. It's been an interesting few uh, months uh, around these parts as they have been everywhere. So we really appreciate you letting us know how much you uh, are enjoying the content that we're putting out there, but then also letting us know what you would like to hear. That means a ton to us, and we always appreciate it. All right, let's get into the news and start with those OCC awards that I mentioned. On Monday, the Outer Critics Circle announced their awards for the abbreviated 2019-2020 season, but... Instead of announcing nominees and winners like would normally happen, because of the unusual circumstances surrounding the abrupt cancellation of the end of the season, the OCC decided to recognize up to six honorees in each acting category and up to five honorees in each technical category. Broadway musical Moulin Rouge led the way with 11 honors, followed by Jagged Little Pill with 8, then The Sound Inside and The Secret Life of Bees, both coming in with 7. In addition to the production and performance categories, the John Gassner Award, which is presented annually to an American play, preferably by a new playwright, was awarded to four writers. Katya McMullen for Georgia Merching is Dead, Will Arbery for Heroes of the Fourth Turning, Alexis Shear for Our Dear Dead Drug Lord, and Ebony Booth for Paris. Okay, let's run through some of the honorees. For the outstanding new Broadway play, they recognized Grand Horizons, The Height of the Storm, The Inheritance, Linda Vista, and The Sound Outside. Outstanding new Broadway musical, obviously, Pickens were slim because so few actually opened before the deadline, but they recognized Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, and Tina, the Tina Turner musical. Outstanding new off-Broadway play was the Cambodian rock band Greater Clements, Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven, Make Believe, and Seared. Outstanding new off-Broadway musical Darling Grenadine, Octet, The Secret Life of Bees, Soft Power, and A Strange Loop. Outstanding revival of a play either on or off-Broadway went to Betrayal, Fires in the Mirror, For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide, When the Rainbow is Enough, Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune, and A Soldier's Play. Outstanding revival of a musical, either on or off-Broadway, went to Little Shop of Horrors, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, and West Side Story. Moving over now to some of the performance categories, Outstanding Actor in a Play went to Ian Barford for Linda Vista, Edmund Donovan, Greater Clements, Rola Sparza for Seared, Tom Hiddleston for Betrayal, Will Hockman for The Sound Inside, and Jonathan Price for The Height of the Storm. Outstanding Actress in a Play went to Eileen Atkins for The Height of the Storm, Judith Ivey for Greater Clements, Joaquina Kulakongo for Slave Play, April Mathis for Tony Stone, Mary Louise Parker for The Sound Inside, and Portia for Stew. Outstanding Actor in a Musical went to Jonathan Groff for Little Shop of Horrors, Joshua Henry for The Wrong Man, Adam Cantor for Darling Grenadine, Larry Owens for A Strange Loop, Isaac Powell for West Side Story, and Aaron Tveit for Moulin Rouge. 
Outstanding Actress in a Musical went to Beth Malone, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, Janelle McDermott, We're Gonna Die, Karen Olivo, Moulin Rouge, Shereen Pimentel for West Side Story, Elizabeth Stanley, Jagged Little Pill, and Adrian Warren for Tina, the Tina Turner musical. We, of course, will have a link to all of the nominees in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. And as a reminder, at the end of this episode, our very own James Marino will be talking to the OCC's president, David Gordon, about the decision to go with multiple honorees in each category and all of the weirdness going around with the award ceremonies this year. Okay, let's move on to some other news. Yesterday, Broadway alum Amanda Klutz shared a promising update about the condition of her husband, Tony nominee Nick Cordero. She said in social media posts, quote, The doctor has confirmed that Nick is starting to follow commands. It's a huge deal. He is very weak still, so it is very slow progress when they ask him to do things. But you can see that he is trying. The next big goals would be to move him off dialysis and off of a ventilator to help him with his trach, his tracheotomy. As Amanda said, it's very slow progress for Nick as we've been bringing you this story for for weeks and months now. But it is so good to see that things are, in fact, moving in the right direction. Hopefully they continue to do that and we have more positive updates about Nick very soon. Okay, let's go across the pond over to London, where yesterday the Regent's Park Open Air Theater announced that their entire 2020 season has officially been postponed to 2021. Their season was going to include, and now will include next summer, the new musical adaptation of 101 Dalmatians, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, and Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel. Speaking of postponements, yesterday the previously announced national tour of The Share Show said that they would not be launching in October as previously planned. Instead, they will kick off in the fall of 2021. Between that and a number of cancellations at the beginning of the tour for To Kill a Mockingbird, presenting houses around the country are now working to rearrange their schedules and fill holes. I have a feeling that this is going to be kind of like a game of whack-a-mole, as it's going to be an ongoing process over the next few months as we learn more about the various states of individual tours and the situations on the ground in each of the specific locales where the presenting houses are. Um, If you are a subscriber... Don't lock in any dates or shows because I think that you're going to be seeing uh, a number of things change, but it is good to know that these plans are being made now so that eventually whenever theater is able to go on wherever you live, um, the presenting houses and the producers in those specific areas have a plan. But it is never fun to hear about tours and theater being canceled, so let's turn this around. Talk about some fun stuff with our daily feel-good recommendations. Yesterday, the Al Hirschfeld Foundation opened the first in a series of online exhibits. This one, Socially Distant Theater, the solo show as seen by Hirschfeld. It features a collection of 25 drawings, paintings, collages, and prints documenting a half-century of one-person shows through the eyes of Al Hirschfeld. This special digital exhibit will be online for six weeks through June 20th at alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash exhibitions. Then a new exhibition will be presented at the end of June. On Monday, we also learned that Bobby Cannavale and Lawrence Fishburne would be leading a virtual reading of Stephen Adley Gerges' Our Lady of 121st Street for the Labyrinth Theatre Company. In addition to those stars, this reading will reunite many of the original off-Broadway cast from the show's 2002 run, which was directed by Philip Seymour Hoffman. The reading will take place on Saturday, May 23rd at 8 p.m. New York time on the Labyrinth's website and will then be available for 24 hours subsequently. And finally, in this section, Tony winner Katrina Link was the latest artist to put her own very unique spin 
on a Rodgers and Hammerstein classic in the R&H Goes Pop series. This time, she very dramatically and quite sensually reinterprets a song that I honestly don't know super well. I, I'm not the biggest Sound of Music fan, but it is something good from the Sound of Music. And trust me, we said it about Oklahoma. This is very much not your grandmother's something good or R&H, but I would watch Katrina Link writhe around on the ground and sing show tunes uh, any day of the week. So there is that. Of course, we will have links to all of the stories and recommendations in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. Okay, now it is time to turn it over to James Marino, who spoke with OCC President David Gordon about the unusual circumstances that led the organization to award multiple honorees in each category instead of the individual winners this year. With us today, we have a very special guest. David Gordon is with us. He is the president of the Outer Critics Circle, and the Outer Critics Circle made their big announcement on uh, Monday about what they are doing and how they are honoring the Broadway twenty, the Broadway and Off Broadway twenty nineteen and twenty twenty season. So, David, thanks for joining us on Broadway Radio. Thank you so much for having me. So, David, tell the listeners what what is the Outer Critics Circle. So the Outer Critics Circle is an organization of theater writers, uh, but it's primarily geared, well, in its nation stages, it was primarily geared toward theater writers who wrote for out-of-town newspapers and national publications, people that didn't live in New York back when newspapers still had theater coverage across the country. Uh Okay. And uh, now we've sort of morphed into the digital sphere. We have in addition to, we still have print writers, but we also have people that work for, you know, BuzzFeed, Theater Mania, which is my outlet, and so on. So we're, we're adapting with the times in that respect. Um, it was founded during the 1949-1950 Broadway season uh, by a group of writers that just wanted to get together and have a means of talking about the theater they had seen and been writing about. And uh, that this is the 70th anniversary year. I guess it's safe to say this isn't how we wanted to mark our 70th anniversary. Mm -hmm. But uh, we think we came up with a really wonderful solution that honors the theater that we did manage to get to see before the industry got shut down. I sort of think of uh, the Autocritic Circle as the equivalent of the Baseball Writers Association of America, the uh, folks who vote for the Baseball Writers Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, those national uh, writers that that see everything and uh, can get out there and let everybody know what's going on. So as you mentioned, your 70, 70th anniversary is going to be a little bit different. Tell us what's different about it. Yeah, well, you know, when we first started planning everything this year, we were planning a, a larger party than usual. We usually, for the, as far as I know, for the entirety of the Outer Critic Circle's lifespan, the party has always been at Sardi's on the Thursday before Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd found a larger venue to accommodate more people and all of that. And then all of those plans, like everything else, had to fall by the wayside. And we spent a good long time as a board trying to figure out what the best way forward was in light of everything that's going on with the world. You know, being sensitive, being sensitive to the world while also taking into consideration the fact that we did see 150 to 200 shows from... May 1st, 2019 to March 12th this year. Mm -hmm. And we, what we ultimately determined was, you know, none of us really felt right 
uh, pitting people in competition with each other with all that's going on in the world. That's not to say that the other organizations that are still doing that uh, are wrong. It was just our preference. None of us particularly felt that that was the way to go. And so what we decided to do was we just decided to celebrate the theater season by honoring as many people as we could in the categories that we have. So we have 27 categories uh, and we are honoring five people in each of the technical categories and six people in each of the acting categories. And then the 27th category is called the John Gassner Award, which is an award named for one of the organization's founders. And it's presented to emerging writers for what's pretty much their first play, emerging American writers, I should say. Mm -hmm. And so we've uh, decided to bestow four of those prizes and each of those writers will receive $500 uh, as a cash prize, no strings attached. Uh, and those winners are Will Arbery for Heroes of the Fourth Turning, uh, Katya McMullen for Georgia Merching is Dead, Ebony Booth for Paris, and Alexis Shear for Our Dear Dead Drug Lord. And we're really happy to be able to honor them in that way, and all of the artists this way. This is such a, a, such a departure during the awards season from being a... Uh... I, I, I guess the award season always is a celebration of the past year in theater, but uh, when it doesn't become such a such a horse race, uh, it allows us to shine a spotlight on so many people. And it's interesting to me. I think that what you were just saying here are four off Broadway plays, aren't they? They are, uh, and that's specifically because that one category is geared towards emerging writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, or new or new playwrights, uh, and this season on Broadway there were not any new plays by writers who were not already established. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, a, a silly question here. Granted, it's a silly question, but it's a silly time that we have here. <laughs> you know, when Mel Brooks uh, brought the producers to Broadway, was sure. was he was he an emerging playwright? Uh, uh, typically. It's funny. Typically, that's that's funny. I know if I can look through the archives, I know Anne Miro won that category once, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and the organization got a significant amount of flack for calling uh, Anne Mira a new playwright when she, <laughs> you know, a thirty, forty, fifty-year career at that point. Um, that category tends to be specifically for musicals. Uh, I use the word emerging because I like it better than new, but it's typically <laughs> new playwright. Uh, and yeah, anybody that's theoretically new could fall into it. Last year, the writers were, uh, the winners were the writers of Lifespan of the Fact, who it was their first oh, yeah. play, but they'd certainly been around, you know, the fiction and nonfiction writing world for quite a while. Oh, that's, that's, that's a great example. Thank you for that. So, uh, how do you, um, you know, feel about this this year. Um, did you feel like it was an, an especially strong year, or did, there are things that you really want to let uh, folks in the theater community know that they should be on the lookout for, that you hope are coming back, or if they make it to the regions, they should keep an eye out. Is there a jewel in the midst that wasn't didn't get enough coverage? Uh I think there are. I think it was a much stronger year for off Broadway than it was for Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, most of those off-Broadway shows were closed or are closed by this point. But, you know, I had such a great time at Tina, the Tina Turner musical. I uh-huh. 
I tell everybody that Moulin Rouge is like the best bar mitzvah I've ever been to. <laughs> Jagged Little Bill is a very noble, noble show, what they're trying to do with it. Uh, and I respect it so highly for everything that they're trying to cover in Jagged Little Bill. Uh, and these shows undoubtedly will be back whenever theater reopens, uh, mainly because they were making a lot of money when the theater shut down. They were all pulling in a million dollars a week. And I feel like those are the first shows. I feel like a show like Moulin Rouge or Tina or Jagged Little Pill are going to be the first shows that people re- want to return to because they they know what it's going to be and they know what they're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, people are going to want to start going to the theater again eventually for to have an enjoyable night out. And I think they'll get that from all of those shows. But I wish there were a way for people to see a play like Cambodian Rock Band yeah. or, you know, Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven or Make Believe or, you know, be able to watch a Strange Looper octet somewhere online or at least read them. Uh, thankfully, the cast albums for most of these shows that we've nominated are out. Octet has a cast album. Soft Power has a cast album. Straight Loop has a cast album. So uh, people can call through this list, and uh, if they missed any of these shows, they can make an afternoon just listening to the album. I'm looking at your outstanding new playlist with uh, Grand Horizons, The Height of the Storm, The Inheritance, Linda Vista, and The Sound Inside. Uh, one of these things are not like the other. Uh, <laughs> the Inheritance... It was a commercial production. The rest of the others were all done by nonprofits on Broadway. Yeah. The Sound Inside, I think, was half and half. Okay. I'm seeing Lincoln Center Theater as one of the producers. So yeah. I, uh, Adam Rapp, uh, yeah. The Sound Inside. Um, but it's uh, – uh, The Inheritance got quite the um, great word of mouth and wasn't able to make a go of it in the, in the commercial sense. Yeah, which is disappointing, but they had they had the odds against them mm-hmm. just by virtue of the play's length. And, you know, I can't tell them that it was... I can't say a play is too long or too short, but I loved every second of The Inheritance. I could watch that show again. I was captivated from start to finish, and I cried my eye... My wife and I both cried our eyes out at the end of the first uh, part of The Inheritance. Uh but I think it's just hard to charge people, you know, $169 a ticket or whatever it is, and then do it twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I also, understand. I'm also not entirely sure that they ever figured out how to market it, which is sadder for me. I, I, th- I find that on, on the Broadway stage, uh, marketing is is the end all you know you have the mo- you have the mamma mias that can run forever right and then you have other jewels that that close up because they couldn't find an audience right and it's uh, really at the hand of the marketer yeah like you could never really tell from the inheritance logo just by looking at the marquee on 47th street you could not tell what that play was about huh, that's interesting i wonder if i'm uh you know, because I had seen all the press releases and heard all the word out of London about it and things like that, I had a concept of it, but I'd have to really look at that logo again to see uh, if I feel the same way about that. That's interesting. No, I was going to say we are all, you know, we get all the press releases and we hear all the buzz coming in from London. Mm. Uh, 
but you know, Grand Horizons had a big photo of Michael Urie and Jane Alexander and James Cromwell. And the sound inside had Mary Louise Parker brooding on the marquee. And then you have The Inheritance, which is a play that not many people know. And it never seemed like they were interested in teaching people what it hmm. was about. In your outstanding revival of a play category, you had uh, Betrayal, uh, Fires in the Mirror, For Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide, One Then Rainbow is Enough, uh, Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Luna Soldiers Play. So you're mixing your Broadways and your off-Broadways there. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we do uh, in certain categories, we mix Broadway and off-Broadway, and in certain categories, we mix play and musical. Uh, all, all of the technical categories, with the exception of uh, directing, is mixed play and musical, Broadway and off-Broadway. And then, say, the revival category, uh, the revival categories are also mixed Broadway and off-Broadway, as are the acting categories and the writing categories. Hmm. Yeah. And then you also have uh, your revival of a musical. You had Little Shop of Horrors, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, West Side Story. A few options. Yeah, exactly. So Molly Brown, uh, a short run uh, so far down, so far downtown, it was almost in Brooklyn. I know. Uh, so far east, it was almost in Brooklyn. What was that? 20 minute walk from the subway. Yeah, exactly. But you got to uh, see that wonderful cast uh, to to do that and put it up against uh, a multi-million dollar revival of West Side Story. Yeah, and a multi-million dollar revival of Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We, what we usually do every year is we allow the membership of our organization, the voting membership of our, of our organization, to submit... Uh, suggestions for what they want to see nominated. And Molly Brown, despite the short run that was curtailed even shorter by the, uh, or made even shorter by the uh, the theater shutdown, uh, was pretty much on everybody's list when we, they were sending in their suggestions between uh, the production and Beth Malone, the star. Hmm, yeah. So the membership got to see it uh, more than I expected for a show that uh, was shut down so quickly into its run. So, uh, David, I want to thank you so much for uh, giving us some insight behind uh, the OCC, the Outer Critics Circle, and their 2019 2020 uh, uh, awards ceremony. And this is, um, you have uh, the announcement was on YouTube with uh, Kristen Chenoweth, Brian Cranston, Patty Lapone, Lynn Manuel Miranda, and Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Uh, I encourage all of our listeners to go over to YouTube. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. David, where where can uh, people catch up with you? Are you on social media? Where do you write for? Yeah, I work for theatermania.com, senior features reporter. Uh, I do a live show every day at 2 o'clock on Theatermania's Facebook and YouTube where I interview a uh, Broadway luminary and we take questions from viewers. Uh, and you can find me across social media uh, at Mr. David Gordon. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWMatt. We will be back with you in some form or fashion tomorrow. In the meantime, you can head over to Patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. I believe, unless news breaks dramatically on Tuesday, I believe tomorrow's show will have an interview that I'm really, really excited for you all to hear. Um, it's very cool. You will hear it in Patreon first. 
Um, so make sure that you head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. Have a wonderful Tuesday, everybody. Stay inside. Take care of yourself. Be considerate of everybody else. We look forward to talking to you tomorrow.